Hi, this is Steve Addison and you're listening to the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in San Francisco and we're talking to Brett Butler about his and Patty's journey towards no place left. So we had uh, met and gotten married in the Lexington, Kentucky area. And um, we'd both been married before. We both brought two kids to the marriage. And I was fairly newly saved right before we got married. And we were really kind of just doing the thing you do in the Bible. Belt. We were going to church and serving on the finance committee and all those kinds of things. Um, and then the summer before I turned 40, the Lord put it on my heart that he wanted us to be missionaries somewhere. Now, I've been a Christian like maybe two years. Patty, she was born Baptist, like she's Baptist since John, right? She's, she's been Baptist forever. And her immediate thought was, because I said, oh gosh, what does that mean? And she says, oh, well, it means we're supposed to say yes. And God, I hope it's not a hut in the jungle that we're supposed to go to because <laughs> Brett and Patty don't camp. Um, so we talked to our pastor, we pursued the Lord and for 10 years, he didn't say much else than that, mm. except that I want you to be a missionary somewhere sometime. So, you know, I tried to pay closer attention in the sermons and I took some classes and we generally sought the Lord, but he really didn't say anything more except to show up every once in a while and confirm that that's what he wanted us to eventually do. And then in 2013, um, the Easter before our youngest child was going to graduate from high school. So the three eldest had all you know, graduated and moved on with their lives at this time. We're sitting in church and it's a Baptist church and they have um, for every Easter, the offering for North American missions, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. And I was reading about this you know, week of prayer for all these different church planters all around the Bay Area or all around North America. And I came across the story of a guy named Ben Pilgrim who was planning a church in San Francisco. And man, I sat back and all of a sudden, all these threads of my life kind of came together. There was all these kind of reasons why the Bay Area would make sense as a place for us to go. And so I turned to Patty to see if she's, you know, I was going to point it out to her, but she's in the same place and she's got tears in her eyes. The Lord was speaking to us both at the same time. So we're like, okay, you know, I guess um, the Bay Area is the place to go. And so we went to the North American Mission Board website and put our name in. We got connected with some people. And over the next two years, we started to disentangle our lives from the rich ruler lifestyle that we'd been living. So I worked, uh, we had met at a tech company there in the Bay Area, I'm sorry, in Lexington area. Um, I was still working there. I was leading a bunch of different projects. Uh, Patty, by this time, was running a company that we had bought together, and um, we started to unravel all of that and, and let it go. So that took about two years, and we arrived in the Bay Area about six years ago right now. It was the last week of April of 2015. Now, when we arrived, we already kind of felt a little trouble in our spirit, but we didn't have any words for it. Because the Bay Area has 8 million people. There's 100 languages. It's an incredibly expensive place to live. Mm. And so you're like, well, you know, success looks like 
get two or 300 people together in a place at a particular time. And hopefully that'll be enough to pay for the whole thing, you know, your salary and your place to live and a place to meet. Um, but we were like, man, that is a high risk maneuver. As a business strategist, it didn't make a lot of sense to me, um, but it's really kind of all you hear about. And so we're like, all right, yeah, I guess we'll go and, and do what God wants us to do. Well, literally the first weekend after we arrived, one of the local people here had put together a conference that was called How to Share the Gospel with People from South Asia. And at that conference was a man named Jared House, who's an American missionary to India and Nepal. And with him tagging along was a young man named Zach Medlock. And they open up the scriptures and they start talking about the Father's heart for the lost. And they start talking about Jesus' plan for sharing the gospel, making disciples, starting churches, developing leaders, all these different things. And all of a sudden, my mind just explodes. I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is the handles that I was looking for, for what was bothering me about the traditional way of doing things and whether it would work in the Bay Area. And so um, I stayed up with them until two o'clock in the morning. I sent Patty to meet up with them the next day for the second day of the training. And that is how it all began. Oh, and um, what was Patty's response? These guys are heretics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> they are they are out of control. Right. Oh. They, uh, they, they this is not the way it's done. Right. You don't just, you know meet people and share the gospel and start a church with them. And, you know, that's just not how it's done. She was not on board. She would tell you, I was, she was not on board at all. In fact, uh, so that was May of 2015. Then in June of 2015, they invited us to come to what I think was the first ever four day intensive for no place left in the United States. It was in Austin, Texas at um, Austin Stone Church. And I think it was the first one. And then you go super deep, right? Like the gospel conversations training, you've been to it. Like that's kind of a level all on its own where you're like, whoa, what about all this? Then you go to one of these four-day intensives and you're like, boom, like your entire head explodes. You go through, you know, Paul's missionary journeys and you look at all these things. And so we spent basically the rest of 2015 leaving behind the traditional model here in the United States assessing this other thing, which definitely seemed biblical, it was just new to us, and trying to decide, is this heresy or is this actually biblical? And by the time we came around to January of 2016, we were convinced. We weren't really practitioners yet. We were still learning what to do, but we were convinced that this is the path that the Lord wanted us to follow. We got here, we got here at the beginning of May 2015. And by January 2016, we're like, all right, we're all in. This is what God wants us to do. Lord, help us. We're going to need it. Don't know what we're doing. And uh, but what was important about those seven months? You know, I think the most important thing was how well Zach Medlock loved us. So this guy would come out. He started a pattern of coming about, about every two or three months, about three months. Uh, at the beginning on his own dime to just do whatever needed to be done, to be in the harvest together, to meet with responsive people together as the first churches started to go to those church gatherings together. Um, but more than anything else, to love us and reassure us 
because to our knowledge at that time, we were the only people in the Bay Area who were pursuing movement. Was the, the Lord had been kind to us because back in 2013, when he first laid the Bay Area on our heart, he started to do, God started to do things to confirm it. And one of them was, I'd been with my company about 19 years at that time. I'd literally been all over the world with them. Never once had I been to the Bay Area on a business trip. Suddenly, I'm, I'm put as one of the co-leaders of a project with Salesforce.com, which is headquartered here. And this company starts sending me to the Bay Area on business trips. So I get to go scout out this future place. I don't even have to pay for it. On one of those trips, I go into a gift shop to buy a gift for Patty for Love Languages, giving and receiving gifts. So I've got to remember to, to buy her gifts when I'm out. So I go into this gift shop. Now, mind you, I don't know anything about people of peace. I don't know anything about movement principles, anything like that. I am there to think about a place, you know, where's a place that we could get, you know, a couple of dozen people together to start and let's buy a gift for Patty. So I go into this gift shop. I get to talking to the young lady behind the counter. Turns out we have a number of things in common in our life. You know, she's half my age, but um, we had a number of things in common. And um, she says to me, well, you know, what brings you to town? It sounds like you're not from here. Now I could have said I'm here on business, but instead I say, well, some friends are taking me around. We're looking at some places to maybe start a new church. And she looks me dead in the eye and she says, I think you should start a new church right here in Redwood City, which is the city south of San Francisco on the peninsula. Wow. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, you need to start a church right here. I'll be your first member. I'm like, well, why do you say that? And then we talk for like the next 30 or 45 minutes about Jesus and the Bible and all of these questions that she has. It's a Friday night. Nobody comes into her shop. It's one of her busiest times. Literally no one comes into her shop the whole time that we're talking. And, you know, eventually I've got to go. And so I'm like, well, you know, do you want to, you know, what do we do next? And she's like, well, when are you going to get started? I said, well, I still live in Kentucky. Like, it's going to be a while before we can get here. She says, well, do you think we can start a Bible study over Skype next week? And her name is Gina. And so, um, we started Bible study over Skype. We start, yeah, I didn't know what to do. We just started in, uh, you know, John chapter one, three months later, John three sixteen. the Lord saves her over Skype while we're in Kentucky, me and Patty and Gina's still back here in the Bay area on another business trip. We baptize her. We're not even sure if we're allowed to, right? We're like, we have allowed to baptize. We only have a church yet. She's like kind of by herself. We don't know anything. We baptize her. Um, and so Take, to get back to your question, you know, what were we doing, what we were learning after we got here, the Lord had been pleased to go before us to give us at least one person. And so when we arrived here, Gina was just on fire in her faith. She co-owned this beautiful high-end furniture store in Redwood City, which is a super snazzy place here. And our she organized our first Bible study. And we would joke, we had the nicest views you've ever seen. I and mean, we were meeting in this high-end furniture store at night with Gina and her friends. And we start the process of failing forward. So she she actually brought the people. At the time, we didn't have a clue. It was just the Lord's kindness and, and his way of confirming, yeah, this is what I want you to do. Um, yeah. The next thing that happened was more confirmation from God. So in 2016, in the spring, Zach had come out. Well, this actually might be 2015. Anyway, Zach had come out to help us do one of our first ever gospel conversations trainings. We didn't know how to do any of them yet. So Zach came out and he did almost all of it. 
We didn't know, you know, mall yet or any of that stuff. He was just mauling us, but we didn't know it. Uh, so we got together with um, actually a traditional church plant that had recently started in Oakland. And we did the training. And then we went out to a place called Lake Merritt in Oakland. And uh, we're going to go, you know, meet people as they're there at the lake on this Saturday afternoon. And we're going to get to talk to them, ask them if they need prayer for anything and see if we can share the gospel with somebody. So we're in two groups. and. Uh, me and my group, we go around one side and, and, and Zach and Patty are teamed up because Patty's still in the mindset of like, this doesn't work. This is wrong. I, this isn't, the, the, no way is this going to work, right? So she, he's like, come on, Patty, you can come with me. You be my partner. So we're out in groups of twos. You know, there's like 12 of us. Well, on my side, man, we're praying for people up a storm. Things are going great. In fact, it's going so great. We're going to get back late to the meeting point because everybody's receiving prayer. Now, I found out later that the reason they were all receiving prayer is our side of Lake Merritt was the pot smoking side of Lake Merritt. So everybody's stoned and everybody's very happy to receive prayer. I'm not really sure that they actually understood anything we said, but we had a great time talking with people. Zach and Patty, they are on the healthy side of Lake Merritt. People got earphones in and they're doing yoga and nobody even wants to talk, much less like receive prayer. So they get back to the meetup place kind of early and Patty, you know, she tells this story all the time. She, she has an attitude. She's like, so Zach, see, you told you it's stupid. It doesn't work. So Zach's like, well, look, it looks like everybody else is running late. So um, let's just pray and let's go out one more time. Patty's like, ah, it's not going to change anything, but I'll, I'll do it. So they pray. They start out walking. They go 200 yards. Around the corner comes this young man, probably, you know, late teens, early 20s, walking with a little bit of a limp. Zach walks up to him. Hey, man, how are you? Uh, my name's Zach. This is my friend, Patty. You know, we're just out meeting people today and just seeing if people need prayer for anything. Is there anything that we could pray for you? And the young man looks at him and says, well, wow, thanks very much for asking. Actually, all of my prayers have been answered. Zach's like, wow, that's cool. I want to hear that story. And so he says, well, today is the first day that I've been able to walk by myself unassisted in three months. Because three months ago, I was high and I was walking on the street at night and I was hit by a car. And I woke up in the hospital, had a fractured head and a fractured arm and a fractured leg. And the doctors weren't sure if I'd really walk well again. But today, I'm able to walk on my own. And it was such a beautiful day. I got permission to come out here and walk around the lake. And Zach's like, wow, that is some kind of story. Your prayers have been answered. And the young man, his name's Cornelius. Cornelius looks at Zach and he says, well, that's true, but the funniest thing happened. And Zach's like, what do you mean? He said, well, I was walking up to the lake right before I met you guys. And this might sound weird, but it's kind of like God spoke to me. And he said, because I was talking and I was saying, God, I, I don't know who you are, but thank you, right? That I'm able to walk again in this beautiful day. Just thank you. And God spoke to me and he said, Cornelius, I love you. And I have a gift for you. Two people are going to offer it to you today. When you meet them, I want you to hear what they have to say. So Cornelius, he goes by his initial CJ. Also CJ looks at Zach and says, do you have a gift for me? Zach looks at Patty and goes, ha, <laughs> right? <laughs> and shares the gospel with CJ. Have you ever heard that story before? No, I've never heard that story before. Well, do you want to turn away from your sins and trust Jesus and, and follow him? yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, he saved my life and, you know, I'm walking here. I don't know how to do that, but sure makes sense. 
Zach's like, well, come with us. We'll introduce you to our friends and let's get started. So there's a, a, a longer part of the story. We, we then try to hook up with, with CJ. This and that happens. We're not able to connect with him. I keep texting and calling him. I can't get a hold of him. Finally, out of desperation, I had gotten his street address. I go to the street address. It turns out he lives in a special needs home, group home for, for special needs adults. And I knock on the door. Well, the guy who runs the home, he looks at me and who I am, right? He's very suspicious about, you know, you met this guy at the lake and what, what, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, would you mind if I wrote him a letter or sent him a card? And the guy's like, yeah, I guess so. You know, that doesn't hurt. So I go home, I send him a card, postal mail, you know, old school, put my phone number in there. The day that CJ gets the letter, I get this phone call from a number that's not in my phone. Hey, Brett, this is CJ. I lost my phone that I had put your number in. And I was really sad that we hadn't followed up. Thank you so much for sending that card. So he and I start meeting. I'm talking to Zach on the phone. What am I supposed to do now? We're, you know, commands Christ, all that kind of stuff. CJ, you know, we teach about baptism. He's like, well, I need to get baptized. Oh, okay. You know, we search around for a place to baptize him. A lot of churches didn't even want to let us baptized because we weren't part of that church. You know, we didn't have our own church building at the time. We finally buy an inflatable hot tub off of Amazon, baptize CJ in the backyard of the apartment we were living at the time. He goes back and starts talking to his roommate, Reuben. Reuben, also a special needs adult. Reuben receives the gospel. Reuben gets baptized. We start meeting in the coffee house near their home because the owner of the home is still kind of getting to know us. He's not really sure who we are and are we going to get in. Wintertime comes around where it's kind of rainy and cold. By this time, John, the owner, he says, yeah, you guys can meet in the house. Uh, one of the workers in the house joins us, a Filipino lady who is already a Christian, but she worked seven days a week and didn't have a church family. She starts to join us. And then just to, this is really telescoping time, but it's worth, worth the story, is um, uh, John has a girlfriend, Lonnie. Lonnie's from Cambodia. She's a Buddhist. And we're always saying, hey, Lonnie, do you want to join us for church? No, 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 thank you. I don't want to join us for church. Hey, Lonnie, can we pray for you? No, 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 I don't need any prayers. Thank you very much. December of 2019, right before COVID, Patty gets a call from Lonnie after we've been meeting as a church in this special needs home for three years. Hey, Lonnie, how you doing? Hey, Patty, I don't really know how to say this, but I've been doing a lot of thinking lately, and I've been reading the Bible, and I've been watching sermons on YouTube, and we're like, oh, no, sermons on YouTube, what happened? She's like, but I've just realized, like, I'm a sinner. I've got to turn away from my sins and get right with God. I need to follow Jesus. Can you guys show me how to do that? Can I start coming to church with you guys? And, oh, when can I get baptized? So it's stories like that that the Lord used right at the beginning. The story of Gina before we ever got here, the story of Cornelius just months after we began, when we're not even really sure, for God to say, look, I really do work in this way. It, it really does happen. Um, so the, the church there with Reuben and CJ in the special needs home, King's Church, because when we were first meeting, we were meeting in King's Coffee Shop. And so I said to the guys, well, we need a name for the church. What do you suppose we should call it? And Reuben looks at the menu and he's like, well, it's King's Coffee Shop. Maybe how about King's Church? And I'm like, that's brilliant. <laughs> yes. So King's Church has started. So then another part of the story then takes us to 2017. 
and um, Troy Cooper. Troy Cooper had uh, connected via a whole bunch of God things with a guy named Jay Ashcraft. And Jay lives in the far east part of the Bay Area. I mean, it's almost not the Bay Area anymore. And there's a beautiful story there that, that you that, that you may have interviewed Troy or Jay about in the past. But um, anyway, they were going to do the first gospel conversations training there. And uh, Troy and I had gotten connected by this time. He said, hey, do you want to come out and help Swarm train? I said, sure, you bet. I go to that training and um, at my table just so happens to sit down uh, three young kind of gangster looking people who are the only people there actually from San Francisco. All the others are from this Brentwood area way in the East Bay. Uh, they're relatively close to where I lived at the time in Hayward. Um, Erica and Ben and another guy. It started with Erica. Erica is a, a Latina single mom about, uh, gosh, how old was she at the time? Probably about 26 with two young children. And she was already a Christian, but by her own admission, she was just lukewarm in her faith. And she'd gotten convicted about that. And she was talking with a friend who was from Houston. And the friend in Houston was part of Hip Hop Hope and Trey Nine, if you know any of that ministry. And somehow the friend knew that this gospel conversations train was going on in Brentwood, which is like a 90 minute drive from where Erica is. She says, you should go to that. Erica's like, you know what? I do need to go to that, but but I don't have a car that's reliable enough to get me there. So the friend says, I know two other guys are going. I'll see if they can give you a ride. So Erica gets in the car with these two guys she's never met and drives 90 minutes to, you know, the suburbs, the far out suburbs and goes to this training. And this is who happens to be sitting at my table when I get there. So we do the training. We go out, share the gospel. Their hearts are moved by the whole thing. They want to know what's, what's next. And I said, well, you know, a lot of times what we do is we just try it out for a few weeks, right? The next step is really, you know, disciple making and forming up of groups and things like that. So what if we got together for eight weeks and we looked at the commands of Christ and we started living out this lifestyle you've gotten a glimpse of here? And they're like, okay, that might be cool. I, you know, I'd, I'd like to learn more about that. Okay, well, when can we meet up? And they're like, how about in two Saturdays uh, at a place near us? And I'm like, all right, there it is. So anyway, the, that Saturday comes around and uh, me and Patty go out to the place we're going to meet. The two guys show up. Erica gets there a little bit later, uh, you know, kind of gets in a little late, a little apologetic. has got some sunglasses on. It's bright outside. I talk about, you know, what we would do next. And, I, and they're like, you guys want to do it? And they're like, yeah, 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 we want to do it. I said, well, we need a place and a time to meet then. Do you have any suggestions? Instantly, Erica says, we can meet in my apartment, South San Francisco, Friday nights at 7 p.m. Now I'm like, wow, this is like another Gina, right? Like this girl is on fire for the Lord. She, nothing can hold her back. And so we start that group there, which uh, different people come and go, but eventually a church forms around that with Erica, her two kids who get baptized in her bathtub one day when Zach is back there with another guy named John. Um, Erica invites her friend, Anna, who's another Latina single mom. Anna's bringing her kids. Anna eventually convinces her sister Jocelyn to come. Jocelyn agrees to come because Patty makes food all the time and Jocelyn likes to eat. Eventually, Jocelyn comes to know the Lord. Jocelyn gets baptized. But the punchline to the whole story is I would tell this story all the time. And I'm always, of course, bragging on Erica for her obedience and her willingness to just, you know, dig in for the Lord. And she's given me permission to tell this story. So she comes to me about two years later. She's like, Brett, 
I really need to confess to you something about like how I sort of volunteered to host the church gathering. I'm like, yeah, what is it? She's like, I actually wasn't going to come that morning because I'd been partying the night before and I was really hung over. And I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. And the Holy Spirit made me come. The Holy Spirit made me get out of bed. But I was super convicted because I had just had this problem with alcohol and I was getting drunk all the time. And when you said we need a place and a time to meet, mm-hmm. I knew that the time I succumbed to temptation the most was Friday evening after work. And I said, if I have church in my house every Friday evening at seven, that will help to prevent me from getting drunk on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. And so we're having experiences like that where the Lord is continuing to confirm. Mm. Now, on the opposite side of the coin, we're also doing what a lot of us have done, right? Is we're out there doing trainings, casting vision, meeting with pastors, looking for people of peace, sharing the gospel abundantly, all these sort of things. And the yield rate is not very good. The yield rate is not very good. And it's frustrating. And a lot of the people who initially respond flake out. The ones who don't flake out eventually fade away. Uh, This past year was a hard year. Mm. It was a hard year for everybody around the world, of course. Um, It was a hard year for our family. Uh, We had five family members die in the last 12 or 13 months. My mom died in October from Alzheimer's. uh, And our son uh, died in January from an accidental drug overdose of Mm. Uh, fentanyl-laced um, Percocet that he had bought on the yeah. street. I'm so sorry to hear that. Thank you for sharing, mm. for, for saying so. Um, and so a lot of what's next is choosing to continue. Mm. Choosing to persevere. And so there's this thing that I went through, and as I've talked to other people, I think a lot of us in the West have gone through, right? I do think there's been this tendency for us to reduce it to a recipe. Mm. And it's not bad at all. God doesn't share his glory that way. Does that make any sense? Mm. Yeah. Well, a a recipe that's tied to our identity. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm. A recipe that's tied to our identity And, uh, you know, you talk about this in one of your books, that Jesus comes on the scene, he's obedient to God, he gets baptized, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Mm. And so we have to be grounded in that because there's just so much evil in the world, because people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, because no one comes to the son unless the father calls them. And so then you say, well, why am I going to persevere in that kind of a calling? Well, now we're back to love. God so loved the world, he sent his only son. Our job is to love God, love others, and make disciples. And so the thing that should motivate us is God's love for us, our love for the church, and our love for the lost. And if we're only being motivated because, like, we want to, you know, sit back after 20 years and count some cool movement with 25 generations, like that's the wrong motivation. It's beautiful if that's the outcome, but it's the wrong motivation. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, episode of the Movements Podcast. 
Now a word from our sponsor. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he had one priority as he prepared his disciples to go to the ends of the earth in the power of the Holy Spirit. That priority was to take them through the scriptures over 40 days from Genesis to Malachi. Your part in God's story is your chance to journey with Jesus from Genesis to Revelation as he sends you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to go that journey as an individual or in a group, find out more at movements.net. Your part in God's story, 40 days from Genesis to Revelation.